You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So today we're talking about how God has chosen you and we believe in you. But who am I? I mean, because we look through the Bible, we see all these heroes of faith, right? Moses. Remember Moses? Led God's people out of Egypt and slavery, right? For 40 years. He led, I can't imagine, can you imagine, uh, you know, some of you ministers being a pastor of the same people for 40 years, you know? That's that's what Moses was, or Gideon. God used him, and he had a little army of 300 people, and God used him to deliver Israel from the Midianites. Or Esther, you know, I mean, she saved all of Israel from annihilation. They were going to be wiped out in one day. Mary, the mother of Jesus, you know, gave birth to the Son of God. That woman healed of disease that Jesus called her out. In the middle of all that crowd, he said, wait a minute. Somebody touched me. You know, a lot of people touched him. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me. Touched him with such a faith. Or, or Job. Y'all remember Job? Not with the E on the end, you know, like our Job here. But another Job, you know. You remember Job? He had, he'd lost almost everything that he had. And he still believed in God he still held on to that faith and David oh all the all the mighty exploits of David I mean we could go on and on and on and on but maybe the biggest claim to fame is that God called him a man after my own heart so I look up there I say okay God's sovereign and I see all these people well who in the world am I you know all I get to do I just get to come visit church you know and just get to hang out with you guys and I mean because I'm not in that list am I Can I tell you something? That's not all the story there. That's not all of Moses' story. That's not all of Gideon's story. That's not all of Job's story. Can I remind you of something? That when God called Moses, you know what Moses did when God called him? He made excuses. And not me. You're looking for somebody else. You know, I'm slow of speech and all that. They're not going to listen to me. You know, he, he, he was content to just keep watching his father-in-law's sheep, you know. He already had, he had life figured out now. Maybe it wasn't what he was planning originally, but, you know, he made some adjustments. You know, this is going to be pretty good. He's going to die one day and hand me all these sheep. They're going to be mine. I'm going to take care of them. He already had his life figured out, so he started making excuses to God. Yep, sounds like a lot of us, right? We got all kinds of excuses. I mean, I, I got a friend, he used to, his, his saying always was, you know, he had more whatever than Carter's got little liver, liver pills. I, I, I don't even know who Carter is and liver pills and never had one. I don't know what those are, but what he was saying was he had more excuses than you can imagine of anything, and I think that's where a lot of us are, right? Or, or like Gideon. You remember Gideon? Uh, like he led that band of 300 men. To, but when God called him, when he first called him, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. My father's house is the least in all of Israel, and I'm the least in my father's house. I'm the least of the least. He was saying, who am I? You know, he would ask that question, and who am I? Or Esther. Esther was afraid to even go stand in the presence of her husband unless she was called. That, that's, that's where she was. That's the fear that had gripped her. This, this was, you know, not just the fear, but it, it was actually like a fence, chains on her that she could not go and be and do because she was, this is the thing that most gripped her life, is I can't do this because of this. I, I can't imagine doing anything beyond what I'm doing because I can't even go stand in the presence of my own husband unless he calls me. And because of that, she was bound right in that place and she couldn't move. Sound familiar, anyone? 
that you've got something just holding you and you can't go anywhere else because this is all you've got. This is what life is, and this is all life is ever going to be. Or Mary, the mother, do you got anything bad to say about Mary? No, let me, I don't have anything bad to say about her, but you know what she did when, when the angel first started talking to her and said, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. She was confused. She was perplexed. She was troubled. The, the Greek word there kind of is like confused, troubled, perplexed. All those things kind of rolled into one is what the Greek word there means. She was troubled by this. I, I, I can't imagine this. Are you sure you got the right person? I mean, she, pretty quickly she jumped on board, but at first she was confused. And sometimes we, we're that way too, aren't we? We're confused. We don't understand. We get troubled about things going on. Or that woman healed of the disease, you know, that... Jesus called her out. You know why he had to call her out? Because she was hiding in the crowd. You know, she needed a miracle from God, yet she wanted to, I'm, I'm just going to hide in the crowd today. I'm just going to slip through and just touch the hem of his garment. Maybe I'll be healed, and then I can just go home and, and just going to hide in the crowd. Man, it's easy to hide right now. You know, they got these bright lights in me. I can't tell, I can't t tell who I'm, you know, stepping on your toes in a sermon or, or if you're asleep, you know. It's easy to hide out in the crowd, isn't it? And she was hiding. She didn't come boldly and say, hey, I need a miracle, like Bartimaeus or some of the others did. She was hiding out. She stuck through the crowd. Or Job. Job, you know what Job said about himself? Now, God bragged on him. Go back to Job chapter 1 and say, God bragged on him. But Job said, I'm just a worm. That's what he called it. He said, I'm a worm. That is all I am. I'm just a, I'm, I'm just a worm. You know, just, I'm a man. And what is a man? Man is a worm. That's all I am. David, David said the same thing. And, and incidentally, all of these scriptures I've got on, the, on this sermon notes page. In the connect page, you go to the sermon notes that are there so you can look at these stories. If you don't believe me, look at them. You know what David said about himself? He too said, I'm a worm. In the Psalms, I mean, the Psalms, let me say, I, 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 I've had some battles over the last three years, you know. And so there was uh, just a few weeks ago, I, I, I was finishing up some of my studies in the New Testament and in my personal devotion. I thought, where, where am I going to go now, God? And I was just asking God, you know, and I just I just felt like, man, I need some encouragement. And so I was, I was you know, and I just felt impressed. Go to, go to Psalms. Man, I started reading Psalms. So I'm studying Psalms right now. And man, it's so awesome because David, you know, he's just saying, man, all this is happening, but God is faithful. And then all of a sudden you run across this one and, God, and David says, I'm just a worm. You know, I'm, I'm just a disgrace. I'm the object of every man's scorn. Scorn. I, you know, I, I, I'm hated. I'm detested. All these things. That, that's what David said about himself. So this man after God's own heart, this one who, who is delivering Israel from the Philistines and all this and all of these things. So let me ask you this question now. Do you feel like you fit in a little bit better with this list now? Instead of looking at them as being the heroes of faith, so well, those guys were pretty messed up, weren't they? I mean, they had some problems. They had some issues. Yeah, we all do. So, yeah, you've got a lot in common with these people. Let me tell you something else you've got in common with them. You are chosen. You are chosen, just like they were, and we believe in you at 2911. We, be we believe in you because you've been chosen. Let's, let's dig into that. And, and what this word means a little bit. Let's, let's dig into that of, of what it means to be chosen. Here, some scripture for you, uh, Matthew twenty two fourteen. 14. So can anybody guess who's speaking here in Matthew? Jesus, there you go, yeah. Jesus is speaking in Matthew, and he says, he tells a story, you know, parable, right? He tells a story, and then he, he wraps it up and says, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, uh, some translations, you say the Greek word there is invited, some say called, okay? You may have heard it that way. Many are called, but 
few are chosen, okay? So what does that mean? Sounds like the same thing, doesn't it? Called and chosen, invited and chosen. I, I mean, that's the same thing, right? Now, there's, there, there's some discussion. If you, you get in a crowd of preachers, especially if you get in a crowd of preachers from different denominations and, and uh, upbringings, you'll, you'll find some discussion about those things mean that, that. No, listen, let's look at the story that Jesus told. And in this story that Jesus told, as he said, many are called, but few are chosen. And there's something that happens between the calling and the choosing. You know what happens? It happens that a whole lot of people said, uh-uh, I don't want to come. This guy's giving a party. And everybody says, no, I don't want to come. And so he, start, he keeps inviting more and more. No, I don't want to come. Finally, somebody comes. Several people come. But somebody comes, they don't have the right attitude. Okay? Uh, I'm paraphrasing just a little bit there. But you look at it and see, no, he, he didn't have the right attitude. I mean, it's about, it looks like it's about something else. But if you look at it, you see, he didn't have the right attitude. And that's when Jesus said, many are invited, many are called but few are chosen. Ellicott, the, um, here's a quote from Ellicott, who is a 18th century, uh, a 19th century, 19th century uh, uh, theologian. He said, the choice, he's talking about this scripture up here, the choice, as far as the parable is concerned, appears as dependent upon the answer given to the calling. This, this choosing, few are chosen, few are choice. The, 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 the choice, as far as the parable is concerned, is, is not just relying upon God making the choosing because he says I've invited everybody I've invited them all but what happens between the invitation and the choosing or the invitation and the calling or the, that or when people said he, he finally says you're the choice ones what happens between is their decision of what to do about this y'all ever heard of um, a guy named Sherman William Tecumseh Sherman y'all ever heard of him you know y'all know what he did back uh, about 150 years ago or so you know, he, uh, he, he actually was a, uh, a Union general during the Civil War. He was a Union general, and he was seen as a hero of the war. If you were on the Union side, not so much if you were from Atlanta, because he burned Atlanta. I mean, you ever heard of that? You know, Sherman burned Atlanta. Okay, so he was seen as a hero by the people who were trying to keep the country together. And so a lot of them, you know what they wanted him to do? They wanted him to run for president. And he said something, we, we've twisted a little bit, and, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it a little closer to maybe what he said, but you know what he said when everybody was asking, oh, you got to run for president, you got to run for president. And he said, if nominated, I will not run, and if elected, I will not serve. So look at this. I mean, that's a picture to me of what's going on here. He said, you can call me, you can invite me. He was called. He was invited. Please come be our nominee. You'll go in first ballot at the, at the convention, you know. You know, all, all the signs and placards and all that, it'll have your name. Everybody will be wearing your hats and your buttons. I know they didn't have those back then, but, you know, everybody be wearing and doing all that. And he says, no, I won't do it. There was an invitation. He said no, so they didn't choose him, right? I mean, between the invitation and the choosing, there's got to be a yes is what it is. You know, you, you, might, you might have a, you young man, you might have a young lady in your sights that she's the one, right? She's the one. I've known she's the one for a long time, and, and you've almost got the ring picked out. You're ready to, but, you know, she can, she can do or say a few things in between here and here that lets you know she ain't going to say yes. You know, and so, you know, what most of us do, we'll say, well, she ain't going to say yes. I mean, I'm not going to waste money on the ring. I'm not going to waste money on the time and all, uh, all my time and all of that. I'm not going to, and you never, you never even ask the question. Oh, she, she, 
She, there was a choosing here, but you didn't get to there. There was something, you know, it's, it's kind of like when you call somebody up and invite them to a party because that's really what this parable is about. You know, call somebody up, invite them to a party, and they say, I don't want to come. And if you make me come, I'm not going to have a good time. You know, you, you have kids like that, right? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I'm not going, but if you make me go, I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to have a fun time, you know. You know, like, like the little boy when his mom, you know, make it, tell him to sit down. He wouldn't sit down, you know, and she, he was screaming. He was laughing. And so finally she just decided she would apply a little corporal punishment, gave him a little swat on his, on his backside and made him sit down. And, and she said, there. And he said, well, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm jumping up on the inside, you know. And that's the way a lot of us are. When we get invitations to do things, sometimes we do stuff because we have to and not because we want to. That's the difference that gets you from being called and being chosen. When you make up your mind to say, yes, I'm in on this. And if you don't make up your mind to be in on this, then you never get to the. That's the difference in being called and being chosen. If you never make up your mind or if you say, okay, I'll do it, but I ain't going to enjoy it. I'll do this for God, but I ain't going to enjoy it. I'll do this for my family, but I ain't going to enjoy it. That's the difference in called and chosen. That's, that's what this is laying out for us. The invitation is not enough. You have to accept the call, and you have to accept it with the right attitude. Let me show you a little something a little deeper now with one of our, one of our scriptures at 2911, 2 Chronicles, okay? Now, in, in this... Uh, the king calls the Levites. Now, there was a, let me set this up a little bit, because there was one tribe of Israel that they were in charge of the temple, okay? There were priests and Levites, and they were in charge of the temple and taking care of it. Nobody done anything because Israel wasn't following God, and, and specifically this, this portion of Israel called Judah wasn't following God. And so the king calls the Levites together, and he said, it's, it's time to get back to following God. It's time to get back to doing a ministry. Now, here's, here's what I want you to get. Back in the Old Testament, it was just one tribe. But we read, we know in the New Testament, we know that in this, this era that you and I live in, under Christ, there's not, a, there's not a priesthood that we have to go through that, you know, all of us are here and there's a priesthood and Jesus is over here and we have to go through them because the Scriptures tell us in the New Testament, we are a royal priesthood. All of us are priests, and so there's no middle ground anymore. So the things about the priests, most of the things I see in the Old Testament about the priests, I just relate them to all of us too because all of those things. You see, some people will look at this and say, well, I've been chosen to work for God. Some people look at this and say, I have been chosen to be in his presence. So you can read this scripture with me here in a couple of different ways. I hope you choose the second of those, right? Because the king calls them together and he says in chapter 29, verse 11, My sons, do not neglect your duties any longer. The Lord has chosen you. Has chosen you to do what? To stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to lead the people in worship and present offerings to him. Okay. Here's what was going on. If you read the verses right before, the preceding verses, you'll see that their predecessors, the priests, the Levites that, that had come before them, there were some things they had stopped doing. They were no longer doing, okay? One of them was they were no longer entering God's holy presence. They had closed the doors of the temple. Now, that's another thing that's changed, right? Is because you know, you and I know we don't have to actually be in a particular place to be in the presence of God. 
in those days, there was one temple. If you lived out of town, man, you can't, it kind of sucked, you know, to, to not be there close enough. But you don't have to be in a place to be in the presence of God. Okay, so for you and me, in a way, it's kind of figured that they had closed the doors. They never went into the temple anymore. Well, I wonder, man, we feel, start feeling disconnected. Why? Start feeling lost. Why? We hadn't been in God's presence in forever. It had been so long that they actually had to repair. The word there, it says repair the doors of the temple. I don't know what was wrong with them. They had been closed for a long time, so you wouldn't think they were worn out, but maybe they rotted. You know, maybe the, maybe the hinges had rusted shut and they didn't have WD-40 back in those days. I don't know what they had to do, but they had to, listen, they had to repair the doorway into the presence of God. They had neglected going into God's presence for so long, they had to repair their own way into the presence of God. Don't ever assume that you can just approach the presence of God whenever and however you like. If you feel the presence of God today, if in the middle of worship today, if in the middle of prayer today, you feel his presence, don't take that for granted. Because I, 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 can, I can introduce you to people today that, that I personally know who are, who, are, who are haunted by the fact that they cannot, they don't feel like they can reach the presence of God anymore because they've neglected for so long. Oh, I believe they can get there. But they don't feel like they can get there. And what I'm telling you is, don't take that for granted that you've been invited into the presence of God today. You've been invited into his, into his holy presence to stand in his presence and not stand in his presence and feel his, his, his condemnation, but to stand in his presence, as the scripture says, and, and minister to him, to lift him up in praise, to glorify him. And, and, and if you have that moment that you feel his presence, just drink it all in. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything hinder you. Don't let anything open those doors and keep those doors open. And every day that you live, step into his presence. Find your way into his presence. Don't let anything keep you from his presence. Uh, they also, were they had stopped lighting the way for others. That was one of the things they did is they had to light the, the lamps inside. Well, since they weren't going inside, they weren't lighting the light lamps anymore. Man, how figurative. That should be for us to see that we light the way for others, that, that, that when we walk into the presence of God, we're preparing the way for others. We're showing others. We're lighting the way for others to find their way into the presence of God. You know, I thought about it this week as I was looking back through my notes. I thought, man, I love, I love the fact that the lights are on in this building seven days a week. I mean, there, there may have been three days this year that lights have been on. And I don't, I don't just mean because we got a coffee shop six days and we got church on Sunday. I mean because of the ministry that's going on in here. There's ministry happening in this building, in the coffee shop, on Sunday morning, but also in small grow groups of ourselves and small groups, people from other churches, impromptu. I see people in here counseling, you know, that just stopped in because the door was open and the lights were on and they could come in and they could counsel. People who are challenging young mothers and young people and younger men, and I, and I see that happen. I, I, oh, man, I just, I just thank God that the lights are on like they were in the Old Testament seven days a week. They were on there, no, but nobody could go in, but they lit the way just in case. But today we're lighting the way for others, because, because or we can. Or they were stopped offering prayers to God. 
And let me tell you, we started this back in uh, August, a regular prayer time. September, we, we uh, or maybe it was back, no, I think it was August and September, we did, did fasting with our prayer. And now on first Sundays, first Sundays we're doing prayer. And it's not just prayer, it's fellowship and worship and, and a little bit of uh, vision challenging and prayer. And, and man, if you, if you miss the first one in October, don't miss the first one in, in November, the next one in November, the first Sunday night to be here. And, and, and because leaders, leaders, leaders have got to be praying. We've got to be, lift, we gotta, we gotta be lifting up people before God and they have stopped doing that and they have stopped repenting of their sin as well. Now listen, I've known just a few people in my life that believe you could talk to God for, for about 15 seconds and that's all you need to do for the rest of your life. I don't know many people like that, but I know a couple. You know, that, oh, well, yeah, I messed up, but God, God forgave me that long, long time ago. Well, uh, let, let, me ask you th- let me ask you this. In your, in your relationship with your spouse, if uh, your spouse comes to you and says, you know, I'm really hurt at you that you, you've not apologized for how you hurt me last week. He said, but you know, I, I apologized 10 years ago to you. And, you know, and I just hurt you last week, but I apologized 10 years. No, things going to go rocky for the rest of that relationship with your spouse if that's the attitude you have. I mean, we don't approach God that way. We say, oh, well, he's already forgiven me. It's not about that anymore. It's about this relationship and keeping this relationship right. When you hurt somebody, when you do somebody wrong, when you, when you have broken relationship in some way, you talk to them about it. These priests, they hadn't done that, and they hadn't led the people to do that. Listen, this is what God has called all of us to do. And you can say, oh, my goodness. Or you can say, wow, God has called me to stand in his presence, to bring him, that he, he likes hearing me say, I love you. He likes seeing me wave a hand to him. He likes seeing me sing these songs and, and be overwhelmed in my spirit. He's called us to stand in his presence and to light the way for somebody else. And you've got family members that need the way lit for them to get into the presence of God. I'm, some of you, it's your own children or grandchildren. Some of you, it's brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, moms, and dads that need the way lit. And it, it, it's not going to happen just sitting here for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday and saying, well, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Moses or I'm, you know, I'm like Job or I'm like David and all of this. That's not, it's, you've been invited in. But what's the, what's the difference in the invitation and the choosing? You got to accept the invitation. You have to accept the invitation. But right but that's what we do is we back up to that but right we back up to that and excuses like Moses you know or feeling like we're nobody like Gideon did like Job did and all those things are or David and and listen to me nobody in this room has messed up as much as David messed up the man that God and God knew he was going to do that and yet he still said this is a man after my own heart even though I know he's going to commit adultery he's going to do this he's going to do this this is a man after my own heart so we got all we got you know you've got to butt this and you've got to butt that and you've got to butt the other thing we've all got the things in our lives that say I would do this but or I might could be something for God but or I might could understand how he would want me to lift him but but can I tell you, you've got your butt this, but can I tell you what God's is? 
His is but grace. <laughs> but grace. No matter what you've done, but grace. As grace wipes it all away, grace says it doesn't matter anymore. And it's not about what you did in the past. What you did did get you saved. <laughs> and what you do is not going to disqualify you from standing in his presence. It's choosing to, to accept the invitation to be chosen of him to stand in his presence and to give him worship and to minister to him and to serve him and to light the way for other people and to bring prayers to him and to tell him when you mess up and repent and all those things and just keep the relationship right with him. But grace, but grace. You know, you know why? Here is the biggest reason we can believe in you is because Jesus did. That's the biggest reason. Not because I believe in you, not because you buddy there, or you, you know, or you're, BFF over there believes in you, but because Jesus did. Can we read some scripture? And I believe, I believe, I believe these scriptures, even though they were said to the disciples, I believe the first one sets up that they're not just to the disciples, that they're to everybody. Matthew 28, 18, 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Whew. Shouting, shouting material right there. He has been given authority on it, over everything. Whatever you're dealing with, he's been, this isn't my sermon, okay? But whatever you're dealing with, he has been given authority over it. He's been given authority over it. So, so, I mean, you don't hear this like a job. Hear this like, man, I'm serving someone that's given authority over everything, and he's calling me to be a part of this? He's calling me to, to, to be a part of, of what he is about to do. So therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The one who has authority over everything says, I'll be with you for every, through everything. And he says to them, now go and teach these. And teach them everything I've told you. And what he's telling them right now is part of what he's taught them. And so then when they teach them, then they're supposed to go do it, and they're supposed to keep doing it and doing it. That's why I believe all of these commands to the disciples in his last moments especially are to every one of us. John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, Jesus is talking to the disciples again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and... You will be my witnesses throughout all the world to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. And this same power as, he's, as, as he spoke through, through Simon Peter, the same power in the next chapter he speaks to Simon Peter and said the same power is to all those who are called. All those who are what? All those who are called. The invitation is to you to stand in his presence, to feel this power, to, to operate in this power, to see these things happening. This calling is to you. But what's the difference in calling and choosing is you have to accept the invitation. You gotta accept the invitation. Man, look at that. That's how much Jesus thinks of you. Look at this awesome mission that he has given to you. I know you look at this, probably in the past, you've been looking at this like, that's the mission he gave the disciples. That's our mission. It's been handed down to us. He saw you, just like he saw David was going to mess up, and he still said, that's a man after my, God, my own heart. In the same way he sees you, and he sees all the mistakes you've made and whatever, and he still knew this moment, this time, and he called you. He called you. 
man, he thinks a lot of you. He's going to turn this world upside down through you. He's going to change somebody's life through you. That's why I believe in you. I don't believe in you because of your intelligence, because you, you ain't always got it right. You know, I'm friends with several of you on Facebook, you know, and I, you ain't always got it right, <laughs> you know. That's not what blows me away about you. What blows me away about you. Oh, it's not how hard you work. Some of y'all work harder than everybody else. It's not how hard you work. What blows me away about you, what makes me believe in you, is that Jesus Christ believes in you. He gave you this mission through his power for you to accomplish it. Let me, let me wrap, wrap this up, promise, okay, right here. Let me ask you, <laughs> if any of these things seem strange to you, <clears throat> seeing cars on a highway, seem strange to anybody? No. Ordering clothes online and them appearing on your porch. You chuckle because you don't really think about it. <laughs> you know, you go, to, you go to some really, you know, back jungle areas, you know, explain to people. We get on this little computer screen, little thing, and we tap a few things, and, and it just magically appears on our porch. I mean, it's just there, right? Yeah, I got something coming tomorrow. You know, it's just, it's just going to be there, you know. And the, only, the, only, the only way I'll know it's there is when the dog starts barking, you know, and, and I'll hear maybe a thump on the porch, and I'll go, no, it's here. You know, it just shows up. Is that weird to you? No. Talking with a friend via video chat? No. Traveling hundreds of miles in one day? No. How about lighting a room with a flip of a switch? I mean, it's second nature, right? Dave and I, the house we lived in when we first moved back in the Birmingham area in Mount Olive, we were there, I think, 12 years is how long we were in that house. And in our bedroom, the master bedroom, there was a light switch right inside the door. You know, the, you know that's where you put light switches, you know? When you walk in a room, you flip the switch so you don't have to walk across the room, that kind of thing. But that switch didn't work, didn't do anything. I, I, you know, don't tell me, oh, it's probably connected to a no. I checked all those. I got in the attic. I ran that line down. It, I could never find out. I never found out. We lived there 12 years. I sold the house to somebody else, and I still did not know what that light switch did. But you know what I was doing for 12 years? You know what I did? I'd step in the door, and I'd flip that switch because <laughs> I would expect something to happen, right? It's like, you know, that's not strange to us. We expect rooms to light up because of flip of switch. Or how about looking up a definition on the Internet? Do you realize, you know, how much you do that now? I mean, maybe y'all don't, but man, I do. I mean, I, I, all of my books, you know, they're in boxes now. Who needs a book? Man, I got it all right here, right? All those things. Any of those sound strange to you? Go back 200 years, every one of them sounds strange. Every single one of them. Go back, go back three or 400 years, every one of them sounds seems strange. Well, let me give you another list to look at. Maybe, does any of this sound strange to you? Girls wearing dresses only. Guys wearing, I chose the, the British spelling, breeches and boots, breeches and boots, right? Everyone in your family sleeps in the same bed. I know some of y'all with uh, toddlers, you're saying, I wake up that way every single morning, right? Yeah, I'm not talking about just your toddlers, I'm talking about Uncle Bubba. <laughs> because that's the way, you know, 1600s, you know, everybody slept in the same room a lot of places a lot of times. You know, um, you have to make every toy you play with. You make your own soap, you make your own clothing, you make your own butter. Every class in every school meets in one room with one teacher. And traveling from New York to Louisiana takes five weeks. Any of that sound strange to you? Well, if you lived in the 1600s, it would not sound strange to you. The other list would sound strange to you. But you weren't born in the 1600s. 
Who gave you life? Who chose your parents? Who chose the time and the place that you were born, to be born? You were not born in 1600s on purpose. You were born for such a time as this. You were born for this time. And so embrace this time. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.